0: Season sports fan teams up with a millennial. Opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's new report, old report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. More drama in the NBA just a week or so after the draft as some teams are making trades, not picking up players, deciding to trade some players, deciding to sign some players. Major League Baseball had some history made this week. Nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. And the NCAA is still trying to reel in as much as it possibly can for NIL and rules and how states should handle things. And of course, they're doing so far too late and nothing will come of it. But they're at least pretending. So we have to give them all the effort in the world and the credit for that. But Major League Baseball, something we haven't talked too much about on the show just because other sports a little bit more important up until this time of the year. Things start to settle down you start getting into the dog days of summer, which means it's baseball season. And history was made last night. I don't know if you saw it, because it happened quite late. As Dan Patrick put it today, the wrong person at the wrong time at the wrong place. Kind of summed it up pretty well, if you would, in one sentence. But Domingo Herman, Yankees pitcher, threw a perfect game against the Oakland A's in front of a crowd of 12 plus thousand, give or take. More will say that they're there, of course, as what happens when history is made, but we saw the stance. We know it was actually there. 24th perfect game in Major League history. 11-0 shutout. A Greg Maddox, 99 pitches, nine strikeouts. Curveball was working all night long. He looked masterful, as one does during a perfect game. He becomes the fourth D first named pitcher to throw a perfect game for the Yankees. Don Larson, David Cohn, David Wells before him. And it's a moment where you're watching and thinking, this is obviously really cool to be witnessing baseball history. The old adage that I've said on here before, you watch baseball your entire life. Flip on the channel on every given day, you'll see something you've never seen before in one of the games. It just happens every night. There's going to be something you didn't expect to see. This definitely topped the list, as well as the Yankees scoring more than two runs. The 11 runs was shocking enough. Now you're going to throw a perfect game into the mix, too. Too much to handle, New York. I mean, it was to the point where it's such a non cared about game. That Yankees play-by-play voices for TV and radio, Michael Kay and John Sterling respectively, didn't make the trip. Nobody's interested. Everyone's asleep. This dude goes out and throws a perfect game against the lowly A's. It doesn't matter how lowly you are though. Major League hitters can't tell you how hard it would be to throw a perfect game. I can. 24 people have done it out of tens of thousands of baseball players. It was interesting on how to feel about it. Domingo Herman, a couple years ago, suspended 81 games for domestic violence. Domingo Herman earlier this season, suspended for 10 games for using foreign substances on his neck or on his hands or on his belt buckle or whatever it was to help him pitch. So the narrative, of course, last night was history was made slash this guy's also maybe a scumbag. Now, time has passed. Hopefully, he's made amends for the stupid shit that he's done in his life. After the game, it seems like his teammates clearly embraced this accomplishment. He wanted his teammates in the picture after the game to commemorate the night. You hope he's not done anything stupid since. In his personal life, he's turned a corner. As a fan, you hope something like this. As you turn a corner, because he was in a sense pitching for his job after last week giving up 10 runs and getting shelled to start before that. People are calling for him to get thrown out of the rotation and he goes out and throws a perfect game. Such a stupid sport baseball is. I'm watching this happening. I'm on the phone with my parents. My father's a Yankees fan. I don't even want to tell him it's happening because I don't want to jinx the perfect game. But then it gets to the point where, You got to turn it on. So in the eighth, it's like, hey, you know, not supposed to say it. Just turn the game on. You'll see. So the superstitions of this sport then have you not moving from a spot in the couch. Should I turn the volume down? Should I keep it where it is? Don't change the channel. Don't touch the remote. Nobody move. History's about to be made. You can't screw with the superstitions of baseball. Of all the sports, nonetheless. And he did it. So it's always awesome to witness history. We haven't had a perfect game since Felix Hernandez did it in 2012, I believe. Two were done that year. Good luck naming the second guy. For those of you listening out there, think about it. Rack your brains. But the backstory of it is something that, say, uh, the commissioner of baseball probably would have wished it was Garrett Cole throwing the perfect game. Nestor Cortez throwing the perfect game. Luis Severino even throwing the perfect game. Not Domingo Armand. So it was a little awkward of circumstances to say the least. But when it comes to baseball and history, it's going to be something that you might remember. I mean, we'll see. Because there's a lot of people on the list of 24 when you look back at it and go, how did that happen with this guy? Some of the names you can understand, I believe there's eight Hall of Famers of the 24. Some of them are old school guys that you're not going to know of, but like Randy Johnson pops up and you go, "Oh, of course he threw a perfect game, Randy Johnson. So I'm not sure how to feel about it as a Yankees fan. It was icky, probably the best way to put it. It was cool hearing Ryan Rucco on the call on TV, getting that moment, Justin Shackle on the radio call, getting that moment with Susan Waldman, Jeff Nelson in the booth too. Hearing David Cohn call in and tell his stories, obviously, from throwing his own perfect game. But then the off-the-field stuff, you kind of feel like, ah, we were calling for this guy's job last week. Ah. Icky is the best I could put it. I don't know if you could find me a better word, Al. Well, let's
1: just say it comes from a guy with a checkered past, including this season. Um, it's an odd, it's it's simply an odd scenario it's as simple how else can you look at it um herman was first of all it's a great accomplishment there is no doubting that regardless of the fact that it's against one of the worst teams we've seen certainly this century uh if not in the last 50 years they're hideous but it's still major league baseball uh barely but it's still major league baseball uh obviously it's in Michael Kay and uh, the uh, the legendary uh, John Sterling's contracts to not have to go to Oakland, and more power to them for to pull that off, so they don't have to, you know, announce it in that dump. And there was probably mostly Yankee fans there, but this is a guy who won what do you nineteen games, eighteen games in in two thousand nineteen before the suspension. Then comes the domestic violence suspension. So obviously, I'm not going to say bad guy, but I'll let you be the judge. Certainly, bad thing. Guy did a bad thing. Make him a bad guy. I don't know him from a bag of beans. I don't know anything about him. I just know domestic violence, good pitcher, suspension, back, cheater. Every time the guy was out there, he's got the crap all over him kicked out of the game what are you thinking you know it's it's on your uniform for the whole world to see after you already got canned once well what are you thinking just you know so what is my impression not the sharpest knife in the drawer let's start there last night he was great last night you know he was perfect 24th time in the history of the sport I go back to Sandy Koufax's in 1965, which is his second last season, his fourth and final no-hitter, which was his perfect game, of which I still have, courtesy of my late uncle who lived in California, my Uncle John, sent me the 45. Look those up, folks. They are one-song, single-playing records with a flip side that has a second song. Those are called 45s. That's what I grew up with. there's what singles would come out on versus an entire album. And he sent me the 45, which had Vin Scully's call of the final inning of Sandy Koufax's perfect game. And that was 65. Then the next one was Catfish Hunter, uh, the legendary Jim Catfish Hunter, legendary Sandy Koufax. But Jim Catfish Hunter for the A's, 1968. Uh, who later on became the swinging A's in three consecutive World Series. And then there wasn't one for another 13 years until 1981 when Len Barker pitched a no-no and became nicknamed Len Perfect Game Barker because there had not been one for 13 years. Uh, He did it for an awful Indians team. And his career was obviously uh, not terrific, mediocre to say the least. Uh, except for that game. He had some good years, but obviously Koufax, the greatest pitcher I've ever seen, Catfish Hunter, world champion, Hall of Famer, uh, huge free agent signing for the Yankees. And there have been great pitchers who have pitched him since. Obviously, you mentioned Randy Johnson, Nolan John, Ryan had a seven no-hitters, never had a perfect game. Uh, of, of course, the Yankees that you mentioned, uh, both of which I watched on TV. I watched Randy Johnson's perfect game against the Braves on TV. I watched... Uh, David Wells and David Cohn, both of which you probably watched. Uh, I watched El Presidente, uh, Dennis Martinez, uh, have his uh, when he was with the Expos. Uh, I believe he had it in L.A. against the Dodgers, if memory serves me correct. Uh, Tom Browning had one for the late Tom Browning, had one for the Reds, uh, a left-hander who had a decent career, but not a great pitcher. And, uh, you know, obviously the kid from from Seattle, Uh, had his and uh, he was a very good pitcher for a long time and he had his at a pretty young age uh, Felix Rodriguez so we've seen quite a few Dallas Braden pretty much a a matter of fact kind of pitcher nothing remotely resembling uh, an above average major league career again mediocre so it comes in all shapes and sizes some guys just have their day this was his night uh, against an awful team. He was in complete control. Two three-ball counts, I believe. And you know, the one was 3-1, and that to me was the most pressure packed two pitches of the game. 3-1 and 3-2. Got to throw a strike. A's helped him out. through really good breaking balls. Would they have broken down and out of the zone? You got to be a gutsy umpire to call it uh, with a perfect game on the line. Uh, but he got the outs, and the Yankees made the plays, and I talked to Steve Tory tonight about what the or who has the most pressure. And you know, my thought process was, except for the three ball counts, when you when you really have to wonder, you know, what, I wonder what he's thinking right now. Is he is he even thinking? How much is he thinking? Perfect game. To me, it's all on the infielders. You, you, Outfield, you mischarge a ball, it goes as a hit. You slip and fall, it goes as a hit. Unless you flat out drop it, which, I mean, how often is an outfielder just flat out drop a ball? But the infield, man, you know, you see boots. You see tough hops. You see, you know, guys go to backhand, it comes up, uh, off the heel. So to me, all the pressure was on the infielders. And they made all the plays, some hard hit balls, some tough ones. They made them all clean. He made them all nicely. One in the bottom of the eighth where the throw was a little wide uh, that uh, Rizzo stepped to the uh, the foul territory slash home plate side of first to make a nice play on and, and showed his footwork. That preserved it. And then a very, you know, matter of fact, one, two, three, ninth and uh, El Perfecto. So 99 pitches. Blasted in his last start, so he's gone from uh, obviously the valley to the peak. He went from the bottom of the barrel uh, to the top of the charts within two starts. We'll see where he goes from here because obviously his career is now literally been a magical mystery tour, plain and simple. But I watched it; uh, it was cool. Yes, it's against the A's, but it's still a perfect game. Yes, they suck; uh, they're bad. of, of you know, in terms of epic proportions, but people don't remember when I watched the David Cohn perfect game, which one refresh my recollection, which one was against the hideous expo team before they moved to Washington? Was that cones or wells? Cause they were back to back years. Um, that was an awful team an absolutely awful team. And it was about hundred degrees. I was watching it at, uh, at my mother in law's, and he was in control the entire game. But that Expo team was absolutely abysmal. I think that was Cohn's perfect game.
0: Cohn was the off. Expos, and David yeah. Wells was against the Twins the year before but, that. Yeah,
1: the the Expos were awful. Nobody was going to the games. Uh, you know, it was vanquishing the franchise. Headed where they going? Headed for Washington. And they were swinging at stuff every which way but loose. But Cone was in complete control. And you know, Cone was a terrific pitcher. Had a lot of great years. <laughs> a lot of different teams. You know, and he's got a bunch of rings. Got rings for, you know, the Jays. Got rings for the Yankees. If you look at David Cone's career, you can make a Hall of Fame argument for him in terms of how well he pitched for the number of teams he pitched and how well he pitched in big spots. Mets. Toronto, Kansas City, Toronto, Yankees, Cy Youngs, perfect game, rings. Uh, the career is gaudy. So uh, he was a terrific pitcher. I, I was, would have loved to have had a David Cohn on my team. And he also stood the test of time. But this is a guy who's, you know, literally been a Dr. and Mr. Hyde in his last two starts. And his career has, has you know, Gone all over the map in terms of on the field and off the field. We'll see which way it goes next. Because obviously, what we've seen in the last couple of starts, who
0: knows? Literally, who knows? Sixty-eight, ninety-four for those nineteen-ninety-nine Montreal Expos names you may remember. Opening day starters: Vladimir Guerrero. It's probably it. <laughs> Rondell White, Orlando Cabrera. A young, O Cab, the OC. Yeah, not exactly Murderers Row. And no, shockingly they enough, the a- they, they finished they, they, they uh, fourth, they fourth the in the NL East. They, the Marlins were yeah. actually and ninety-eight. They go. weren't the A. They weren't the A's. But thirty-five the A's. games back of the Braves, who won one hundred three games in
1: nineteen ninety-nine. Yeah, the, the the A's are in, literally a league of their own. And they don't. And it, the, 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 they don't belong in the American League, yeah. or the major leagues. Right. They're, they're and I'm not going to go as far as Jim Bowden, who said, you know, they they probably wouldn't win a pennant in Double A, uh, I believe I'm paraphrasing, or then the, you know they wouldn't even be a good minor league team. And I I, I don't know that because they, yeah, they're in the major leagues. They won, they win a couple? week ten days ago, they won seven in a row against superior six or seven against teams. Uh, so
0: they yeah, won they on everybody big. come to the ballpark night to say f you to the ownership. Yes, for they selling did. The team. Yes, they I mean, did. they've they. had okay wins for stretches this year where they go, oh, here we go, A's. But then you remember, oh, they're twenty-one and sixty-two. Got it. My fault. All right, they're going to they're lo- lose. They're going to
1: lose. Obviously, well in excess of hundred games. I think that's safe. But you know, it doesn't look like they're going to lose 130 games. They'll probably lose anywhere from 115 to 120 games. That's abysmal. That's what they are. And what do we expect? The franchise has been gutted. And two of the best players in baseball this year were A's. Right? They're starting in the All-Star game, <laughs> but they're starting for the Atlanta Braves. You know, in Greg Olson and uh, and you know. They should have been St. Louis Cardinal catcher, Sean Murphy. I just We're I just don't out.
0: know how you're a fan of the fan base where you get excited about guys that may come through your system. You develop them. Excuse the AAA. me, I, I,
1: I, I apologize. Matt Olson.
0: Matt Olson. Um,
1: it's just the, c- confusing with the two Greg Olson
0: uh, relief pitchers. Understandable.
1: Um, But they're both having phenomenal years. A couple and, of years, you know, they're
0: gone. Always. Atlanta
1: sent, Atlanta sent over a bag of balls and some pine tar. And... Uh, you know, a couple of checks, you know, 30 maybe twenty, thirty grand, who knows what else, some Gatorade. Um and and they got both players, along with, you know, their little leadoff guy who's gonna steal 50 bases and you know hit 240 for his fourth team in uh, in four years, and some potential decent minor league pitching prospects for two all stars in their prime. In their prime. Because they knew eventually they were going to have to pay them. (laughs) Like everybody eventually got to pay them. And as soon as they get to Atlanta, they sign extensions. uh, Because Alex Anthopoulos is, along with probably Andrew Friedman. Well, right now Alex Anthopoulos is at the top of the class. Because what he's built in Atlanta is astounding in terms of the talent base, the youth, the fact that he has signed them all. The fit, the positional strength on both sides of the ball. Olsen, traded for, signed an extension. The catcher, traded for, signed an extension. Riley, drafted, developed, signed an extension. Acuna, on his way to being the league MVP, drafted, signed a long-term extension. Harris- the third, the fourth, I forget how many. The center fielder who I love, absolutely love. Okay, rookie of the year. Already signed an extension. Got off to a horrendous start this year. Literally raised his average 100 points in the last month. Right? And Ozzie Alves, who's having an all-star season, back from the injuries, young, not barely in his prime, but already signed an extension. It, it, it's unfathomable the amount of talent the Braves have. And it's the kind of talent where you have these prospects of theirs that they drafted and developed in Albies, in Riley, in Acuna, all of whom, in Harris, all of whom have achieved. They've hit it. Whereas, for example, my team, the beloved Cardinals, not so much right now. They've talked so much about the cardinal prospects and the depth of the talent. Other than Jordan Walker, who's having a pretty nice rookie year with the bat, none of them have achieved. They've all flopped. Dylan Carlson flop. Alec Burleson flop. Tyler O'Neill always hurt. Flop. Tommy Edmond pretty good. Donovan pretty good. Paul DeYoung. Flop. Juan uh, is back in the minors. Flop. Matthew Libertor traded for Ferrandi Rosarena. Flop. It, it's Goldschmidt and it's Arenado. And obviously the colossal bust, the free agent mistake, uh, the gaff, another horror show. Signing another Cub. This is not the second coming of Dexter Fowler. Uh, unfortunately, Wilson Contreras has been even worse. And some of his management's fault because they threw him under the bus because of the poor pitching, which was not his fault. Pitching stinks; it still stinks. But he's been horrendous at the plate—horrendous. I mean, this is the guy you brought in to be an offensive-minded catcher, and he's hitting, you know, two twelve. You know, with an OPS of six fifty. Hey, you threw the OPS stuff out there, but that's how bad he's been. It's you know been a Cardinal season that's, you know, total mismanagement from every step of the way. From ownership to the front office, uh, to the coaching staff, the hideous manager, the lack of player development, uh, total inability to in- evaluate their own talent, and outside talent. They need a complete facelift. Not so much from the players, but they need the entire organization ripped to shreds. And the owner just won't do it because of the love affair with uh, with the hideous John Mazzeliak, who is the most negligent and incompetent team president or executive and the most reviled executive in all of sports. And here's the way I look at it. You Yankee fans are constantly complaining. And look, I understand why. You're way back. You're used to winning, but you are winning. You're 10, 11 games over 500 with a team that is beset by injuries, both offensively, on the mound, and you've lost, you know, the guy who was the most dominant player in baseball last year and the most dominant player other than Shoyatani in baseball this year. And you've lost enough of what looks like it's going to be a very, very extended period of time. But yet the Yankees are still absolutely in the, in the playoff on. Yes, they're way behind Tampa. But Tampa's have an extraordinary year. And they're behind the Orioles. And so are the Orioles, have an extraordinary year. But we saw them coming, but we didn't think they'd do this. But they're right there with Toronto. They're in the hunt for a wild card, absolutely. You don't have to worry about the Central. They're in the hunt right there with Houston, right there with California. Wild card's up for grabs. The Cardinals, on the other hand, are in a miserable division. And yet, not only are they mired in last place, they've been going back and forth with Colorado as having the worst record in the national league. This is for a team that was the odds on favorite to win the division. They are the most disappointing underachieving team in all of baseball. And it's not close. Yes. The Mets are underachieving. Yes. They have a bigger payroll, but the Mets are in a terrific division. And the Mets are getting worse every night but the Mets are in the division with the Braves, the Phillies who have bounced back and are now you know on a roll. The Marlins who are having a terrific season. The Cardinals are in the division where the Reds are a couple games over five hundred and they're leading the Brewers who you know go back and forth. And the Pirates who you know lose ten in a row and then you know win seven out of eight. And the Cubs. They're in the second worst division in the sport, if not the worst, you know, along with the American League Central. And they're awful. And they're playing, you watch the Yankees, they don't play awful baseball. I think guys you never heard of playing good baseball. Cardinals are just awful. Absolutely awful. It's been a nightmare for Cardinal fans everywhere. No one can believe that the manager still has a job, but the team president is still running the show, but he rules with an iron fist and Bill DeWitt who's the Cardinal owner. If he's got pictures of them or what the deal is, but, uh, you know, it looks like fans are finally starting to not go. And that's really the only thing that would ever force Bill DeWitt to make changes because the Cardinals and Cardinal ownership, everybody's all about money. We know that they're all loaded, but for the Cardinals, it's literally most importantly, and first and foremost, it's about money. It's not about winning. They want to make as much money as possible. And put a team on the field that's just good enough to find a way to get in the postseason by spending as little as possible. And their player development has fallen off the map, and we've seen it. Just by looking at the sc- success of players when they left the Cardinals. Adalas Garcia, given away, all-star. Randy Razzarena, given away, all-star. There's even a kid in Washington who was awful for the Cardinals. An outfielder by the name of Lane Thomas, who couldn't even have a paper bag. He's having a better year for Washington than any Cardinal outfielder. We see it everywhere you look around the major leagues. Um, so the Cardinals, if they had any brains, they'd look into their mirror and realize we need to make changes. Because uh, you know since Jeff Lunau left that organization and went to the Astros to build that team into a World Series champion, regardless of the cheating, that went on, he built a great franchise, as we can see, because they're still achieving when he won the World Series last year. That's all built by Jeff Luna, folks, who was a young Cardinal executive who helped build the Cardinals after Walt Jockety left and was succeeded by John Mazalia. Everything with analytics and the um, international scouting and development, that was all the baby. Of Jeff Luno, who built it. It excelled. He left. Then he went to Houston. He built that. Fortunately, you know, because of what transpired in Houston, he was suspended for a year and he's not come back to the game. And the Cardinals organization has basically fallen apart since he left. And the Yankees, to their credit, as much as I despise them, you should be pretty happy. You know, I mean, you you can't be disappointed with the team's play in terms of the injuries that they have had to deal with to their regular positional players, their starting staff, and their bullpen. You've got to be pretty pleased with where they are in the standings. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong.
0: I mean, how can I have any negative counters after you just laid out the state of the St. Louis Cardinals? All my problems are just small. Little ones compared to the whole franchise crumbling to the ground after such renowned history. I wonder why David Freeze told him to get lost. He doesn't even want the Ring of Fame. Forget it. I don't want to be part of this. It's just nitpicking decisions where the collective fan base basically said, when they happened, this isn't going to work. And then when it hasn't worked, We basically said, who would have saw this coming? So there's just been frustrations as, why did you think Josh Donaldson was going to be an answer? Why didn't you go and get somebody that actually plays the outfield as a real-life position and not just throw random guys out there every game and hope that they don't get the ball hit to them like it's Little League? Why are you putting the entire weight of the offense some nights on one person? and then when that one person stubs his toe against a wall that shouldn't have been around a Major League Baseball park,
1: now what happens? They don't have an answer for that. I don't disagree with Cashman mistakes, but my point is, despite all that... Despite
0: all that, they are playing... I mean, you look at their record, what are you going to say negatively about it compared to other teams like you're mentioning? You know, the Mets, for example. Mets fans in New York want to kill themselves. Understandably so, with the payroll that they have. It's nitpicking being in the best league in the American and probably Major League Baseball. Like, it's too early to be too angry. I understand where the frustrations are coming from, and they're warranted for some of the stupid moves that have been made. Somehow they're surviving it, though. So, well,
1: look, Ken, you, you've been a Yankee fan your whole life. Bad moves are nothing new for Cashman. It's true. When I tell you what, John Mazeliak, I mean, if ever guys hung on to a job like the Pope, I I mean, Cashman is right. You want to talk
0: about somebody having pictures? I mean, mean, (laughs) there's pictures. That guy's got to have some connection to pictures.
1: I mean, of course, when you make as many decisions as they make, you're going to make some bad ones. But he's made, as John Mazeliak said, made some absolutely Unfathomable decisions
0: I mean you, you took decisions. over Gene Michael's talent Let's be honest
1: As John Mozeliak took over Walt
0: Jockety's talent And then you had one season where Everything just fell into place To sign the best players At three different positions possible And spend the money on them And you won the World Series Because you did that And had decent pieces still left over from And years until
1: recently by. He's always had a, pretty much A checkbook. And, and a huge eraser To work with. Absolutely. C.K. Hagawa. Remember that name? Of course. Uh,
0: That's one for the ages. These young fans that haven't experienced the winning. These 2009 maybe dudes where they've, some of them, haven't seen a World Series. Looking around, who's the guy in charge? What's happening? They're getting fed up. We're defining winning
1: now as winning World Series. Yes, because there's that, for whatever reason, of, is
0: the bar for the New York Yankees. There's,
1: there's been plenty of winning. There's Take the playoffs, that's nice. Then there's what? been plenty of postseason appearances, no doubt about that. So, and for, for a lot of teams, that's terrific.
0: You would think being in arguably the top five in the sport, you could obviously say the Astros are the Yankees' daddy reversed right now the dodgers of course the tampa bay rays have taken themselves to task to be better and you could throw in a couple more teams from the national league but you can make arguments of top five team in baseball top five team american league people aren't happy with that they haven't seen the winning where's all i hear about this core four and these three out of four championships when wasn't when i was around i don't remember those things and yet you never hear now, granted, we're not there, of
1: course. But did you know how much media barking do you hear from Atlanta when they don't win a World Series? Right.
0: And it's been some time until recently, obviously. But before that, they were still making the postseason, but it was when's this gonna happen again?
1: It was What's going to press. You know, it was the press who talked about all the you know Bobby Cox. Division titles and no world series. Gonna be the Yankees. And it, was, and, it, and it was the press who talked about uh the Dodgers and all the division titles and all no world championships. But you didn't hear really any barking from within the organization. You didn't hear a lot of barking from the fans because I think they always know that they were well managed and well you know in, in terms of how they were constructed, what they did with the, the you know, the Braves, they don't have blank checks. Granted, they don't have an owner, you know, they're, they're, they're owned by you know, stockholders, but it's been a very, why don't you look at the Brages at massive a bad signing.
0: You've, you so pencil them they, in for something every year and like, you don't even notice it happens. You have to take a gander back for a couple months ago. How did this happen? And then you look at all the signings they've done, people they've developed in AAA and just go, of they're, course.
1: They're, 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 t- they're scouting. And development of their talent from within. And remember, when you're, remember, folks, you know, it's like any other sport. You finish high, you're drafting low. So they're drafting and they're scouting and drafting and development. You don't just have to find them, okay, and pick them, and sign them. You got to develop them. And their player development once they get them has been nothing, oh, and by the way, remember they did develop Freddie Freeman. Okay, let's, let's not forget that, who's not there anymore. But, uh, is fabulous. And Alex Anthopoulos has just done a brilliant job. Right now, he has passed Andrew Friedman in terms, I mean, the the, the, card, the, the the cardinal trade, you know, the impossible dream for me, you know, is John Mozeliak for, for Andrew, <laughs> excuse me, Alex, for Alex Anthopoulos. Um, Alice Anthopoulos is, I and mean, when you think about these players that he signed to long term deals, his entire infield, with the exception of the shortstop, he lost his uh, Dansby Swanson, his all star shortstop, who signed as a free agent, and he replaces him with Arias from within the organization. And oh, by the way, who's the starting shortstop you know, for the National League? Arias. It, it,
0: it's amazing. It really is. It's like a video game. The player development part, it's like they went into the settings, jacked everything up, so that that would all be handled. You wouldn't have to worry about franchise mode. The contracts, the extensions, everything was handled, so you could just play the games yourselves, and then the video game would actually do the other moves. And the
1: the patience they have with the players, the the coaching, at, at, at all levels to see these players come up and be ready. Spencer Strider... Yeah, you know, looks like he's been pitching in the big leagues for five years. Uh, the, the, it's, it, it's phenomenal. I mean, Harris is a brilliant center fielder. might, is probably the best player in the National League. You know, it's astounding. Absolutely, Albies is terrific. Riley is just a thumper, and a, you know, a solid third baseman. Uh, they're going to be good forever. <laughs> it's as simple as that, they're going to be good forever. And, you know, they're not afraid to buy out arbitration years. Uh, They're not afraid to go out and make trades. You know, the trades they made with the A's for Olsen and Murphy uh, were fabulous trades to get young guys in their prime and who were very good on the defensive side of the ball. First base, terrific, behind the plate, one of the two or three best catchers in the game. And they signed them not when they're 30 or 32, they signed them to big deals for guys who are 25 and 26 and they buy out arbitration years and they're not superstars, but they sign guys who have the opportunity to get better and make those contracts look like bargains. Riley. I mean, the, the the Albies contract was, I mean, you would think she was signed with a gun to his head, you know, the extension. You know, the Acuna contracts, like he's making three or four, three times, I think, what Albies is making. And that's a bargain. Uh, it's it's remarkable. It really is. And then I'm talking about Thunder. They just crush the ball up and down the lineup everywhere you look. You just, there's, there's no, just, you literally cannot take a breath against that lineup. It's off the charts. And they are right now the best team in baseball. Period. And that's with all due respect to Tampa, who's very good, uh, but much better at home versus on the road where they're basically a touch over 500. The Braves are maulers everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. It's, you know, just hide the women and children. They are just, you know, sirens go off in the outfield, you know, to hide the kids. They are just um, a, a, a bomb squad. To see, and they're athletic. Acuna, Harris,
0: Alves, uh, You know, the, the way they run the bases. And they've got nerve to have players that enjoy playing the game. They'll celebrate accomplishments. They'll be happy when they hit home runs. Hate to see that. Having a good time playing baseball. They've got a handful isn't of guys it, that it, enjoy the game. Isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? Some would say, but others, no. Act like you've been there before. You know, they won, what was it, 14 straight division titles to like 2005, and then you thought, okay, water always finds its level. Let's relax. You know, they'll be in the hunt. They'll win a couple, but okay, everything calms down eventually. And now, what do they have, five in a row? You know, off we go. You are looking at who they have on the roster for the next 12 years. Not easy to think. They'll do it again. And
1: remember, oh, Alex man. Anthopoulos, when they won the World Series, didn't have those guys. There were people saying the trading deadline, they're packing it in. Remember there, and he goes out and he trades for Duval and Soler and Rosario. Solar's the MVP of the World Series. Rosario's the MVP of the NLCS. Rosario's still there. Soler's long gone. Duval's long gone. But he brought those guys. Jock Peterson he brings those guys in all four of them. And boom. I don't know where. Brings them all up the trade deadline. But he's an attorney on field DH combo, and they win a World Series. Because all these guys are hurt. This It's astounding. Absolutely astounding.
0: That's Major League Baseball in a nutshell, folks. All-star game is upon us, folks, with a lot of young new fans. Voting, yeah. A lot of guys won't be playing. Injuries, whatnots. But we'll turn it on.
1: Aaron judge goal for return. How long can you survive without him?
0: (laughs) The goal. Don't you love this about the Yankees as well? How they handle the injuries where they'll just kick the can down the road as long as humanly possible before it eventually gets leaked or the player slips or the, somebody will say something. This was just a, a sprain. No problem. Couple weeks, 10 day IL, He'll be okay. This is toe. It's just a toe. He's got nine others. He'll be fine. And then, oh, no, he tore ligaments in the toe. We don't even know if we'll be back this season. What? From running into the wall and making a catch? This is what's happened? On that load-bearing right foot. Goodness gracious. The perfect game happens with Domingo Armand, and who's like a... A broken carousel horse trying to get himself out to the celebration. Little Ginger Aaron Judge celebrating with his teammates. Now, that could also well, be I, I, let me not go crazy because people know I'm hurt. But my goodness, how does this happen?
1: I would not be surprised if he's done for the. I'm not trying to be a naysayer. And I don't wish this because obviously. Even though I despise the Yankees as a baseball fan, you want to see a guy that great play. You don't want to lose out on. One, you don't want him to lose out. And as as a selfish fan, even though again I, I don't want the Yankees to win, no disrespect to you, um, but you know, I still want to see him as a fan. I want to see the hit, right? You know, I want to see if pitchers try and get him out. I want to see him attack. I love the way he plays. He's a fabulous player. He's a great outfielder, excellent base runner. He's got a huge arm, does everything the right way. Um, But, you know, kicking a concrete wall, running into a a concrete slab, Uh, even the mighty has fallen. And, you know, Sergeant Hulka and the big toe has reared its ugly head. Uh, I, just from the outside looking in, How is that going to heal
0: without surgery? And he's not in a boot. I mean, I don't know how much that helps when you have foot injuries or ankle injuries, but you see the people either on crutches with that boot and it's supposed to keep everything stabilized and that helps whatever grow or heal. I don't know anything about foot tendons, as you'd imagine. It seems like it's easier to break a bone because they just set it and you just wait and it heals that way in a couple months time. I mean, they could probably get through till the end of August if they make one or two moves to help the offense. The pitching has been unbelievable, especially the bullpen. They're hoping to get Rodon back. They can get a bat or two. Because you're asking them, score three runs, right? Mostly, we'll do the rest. There's bats bats out there. There's bats out there. Just score three runs. there's
1: there's, There's always bats out there.
0: I mean, you have to assume Stanton has a been pitching. putrid. You have to assume he's going to have one of those hot streaks that he does every year to flip the switch gets flipped and he'll have three or four weeks where he'll, he'll just win you games. Rizzo hasn't been great in judge's absence. You have to assume he'll do something. And then just, and you just, you just have to it, put band-aids over the wound and hope. And some if other he keep
1: Bader healthy, he's yeah, been a huge he's spark plug one when
0: he plays, when he plays. Again, he is, he is
1: Volpe struggling.
0: had some chicken parm With his minor league friend And he's been better Although that was another Thing people were arguing Why is he not going down to AAA for a couple weeks To get his swing back Because it's gone it's, it's really just Donaldson And the catching position overall Hasn't really produced anything Either of those guys And you just get through it couple months dog days of the summer don't get too far down stay stay in the hunt is basically what it comes down to and the pitching can help them do that if it stays healthy no question if we put it an And and point. I
1: and I also think that there are going to be uh, in the division I I think Baltimore's going to come back a little bit because I just don't like their pitching
0: yeah they can hit They're having That's fun for sure. That Splash zone, man.
1: Fun, and it's great to watch. It's great to see the magic back in Baltimore, but they can't pitch. Um, Toronto is just they're tough to figure. Uh, yeah, I mean, their best, their all star pitcher is down in the minors. And what did you give up 11 runs? In the, did I see you give up 11 runs in the first inning? Sean and I,
0: <laughs> he gave up 11 like runs. I think it was two innings, but it was it's literally the lowest rung of. Where you could play yeah, baseball, the, 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 lowest for, the lowest form of human it was life. <laughs> the Yankees guys, where you're joking when they're losing to the A's two to one, you make the joke you could have threw that team that lit that dude up for 11 runs in, and they could have done better than the Yankees are doing tonight. I mean,
1: he is just the, this fall from grace for him. It's I don't say it, it, it. It's stunning. I mean, this guy was you know an all star last year. He was their best pitcher. And he has was awful this year from opening day on. And you had know, that hideous outing work with you know, 10 runs or 11 runs in an inning, something yeah. like that before they set him down. And it's just gotten worse. And you know, Gossman's been terrific and the rest of their staff with the exception and, you know, obviously, you know the cat they got from from the Mets. Who I look, I give them credit. I thought they paid him too much money. He has been basically for them the same thing he was for the Mets. Bassett has been a great stabilizer. He's been a steadying force. Gossman at times is spectacular with the strikeouts, but Bassett has been solid, and the rest of the guys they they've been all over the map, and. Their bats, This, you know, Guerrero's not having a great year. Bichette is. Springer's up and down. He's hurt a lot. Uh, The the catcher, after an all-star year last year, Danny Jansen's got more home runs. The backup catcher. uh, So they're they're really, you know, not the juggernaut everybody thought they were going to be offensively. You know, they made the trade to get uh, you know, get Dalton Varsho. He has not done much with the bat. You know, Biggio gives you something here and there. Uh, they are, a, a, you know, a disappointment offensively because everybody thought of them as this young murderers, row Club, and they're nothing remotely resembling that. Baltimore right now is the most dangerous offensive team in the division, but they can't pitch at all. So I th- actually think, you know, to the Yankees' benefit, I think some of these teams... Certainly, I think the Orioles are going to come back a little bit. And I just, you know, I have a vast amount of respect for Tampa for obvious reasons, but can they keep this up all year? They win 115 games? Uh, You know, the, the wear and tear on their pitching and their bullpen, I think eventually, you know, come the last third or so of the season, I think is going to start to show. But, you know, they'll find a way, like they always do. And guys I've never heard of will come in and throw four scoreless innings. You know, they'll throw 98, and I'll say, who is this guy? And then next year, i will have Tommy John. I mean, Tampa, it's extraordinary. All these years of consistent winning baseball in the American League East, you know, continually one of the best divisions, if not the best division in the sport. I mean, yes, Baltimore was weak. Um, for years. But Toronto's been competitive. Uh, you know, obviously, the Red Sox are either winning world championships or doing nothing. The Yankees are always right there. But through all this great run that, that Tampa uh, has had of success, and we always talk about how their pitching is. Can Can you name me one Cy Young candidate? They never have one. They have, They have a guy who's there for... Two or three years, Snell, uh, looks terrific. And the, the next thing you know, he's either Tommy John or he's gone because they don't want to sign him. Glassnell is the kid now who, who to me, is, their, is fabulous. He's coming off the Tommy John. He's rounding back into form. I have desperately wanted the Cardinals to trade for him for the last few years. He's six foot eight. Remember what happened in the postseason when? he got pounded uh, which we thought everybody thought he was tipping his pitches. Now he's back. He's been up and down but you know he's throwing in good health, striking out 12 guys in 6 innings and he's got a 25 million dollar salary next year. So it's going to be very curious to see what they do with him at the deadline. Do they do the Tampa deal where they say you know what there's so a ton of teams out there looking for pitching. We Let's see what we can get. Unload the $25 million for next year because, you know, how badly do we need him. So it's really going to show how much they want to win a World Series because Glasnow is a guy that, you know, you put in that, he's not your ace right now because how well the, you know, McClanahan has pitched and you know, other guys. But there's you put him in a short series in the two or three hole behind McClanahan, It's going to be a tough team to beat. So I'm very curious what their decision-making and I should say mindset and ultimate decision-making is going to be with respect to Glass now if they get offers for him at the deadline because of the fact he's making 20. He's not making anything this year, you know, in terms of the big picture of things. um, Salary-wise, it's a decent salary, but it kicks in next year to the huge salary. So uh, to me, that's going to be one of the most Curious, um, intriguing decisions of the trade deadline is what is their mindset with respect to Tyler Glass now? Of course, if he remains healthy.
0: I'll save the NBA for you. Things are getting floated around with Kyrie Irving potentially wanting to meet with the Suns and Kevin Durant, which is preposterous Please. to think about. Please. James Harden is. Going back with the Sixers, so they could potentially trade him. That would be, I think he's requested a trade from three teams in the last two and a half years. So that's exciting. Chris yeah. Paul is going to be a warrior for now. Porzingis to the Celtics. So definitely storylines to talk about there. As free agency starts tomorrow. That's right.
1: And we'll see what our Lakers do. Obviously, the main goals in the offseason so far have been to uh you know, obviously they put the offers out there to Reeves and Hashimura, uh, so they are now officially restricted free agents and the Lakers can match either them both. Uh, will they keep Russell? It looks like they might. And uh, if you can't get Fred Van fleet uh, I understand it. And you can always decide to do something later on with guys who were signed. The question is, you know, what are they going to do with Malik Beasley and the Mobama contracts? Are they going to try to move those uh, to trade for uh, you know somebody at, at a, a an equal salary like a two for one kind of scenario, I've heard they have interest in Brook Lopez because uh, they do need size. I've heard they have interest in Bruce Brown, which I think would be a great acquisition. My personal fave, I've got the hots for Dante Divincenzo, who has renounced you know his uh, or opted out of his four point seven million dollar deal with Golden State. The Lakers could sign him to the mid level, which is about twelve million. I love the idea of DiVincenzo or, or, or Bruce Brown. I love the idea of Brooke Lopez. Um, we'll see what happens. So, you know, If they're able to bring most of those guys back and supplement the roster with you know, one more quality big guy and a shooter, a, a versatile shooter like a Bruce Brown or Dante DiVincenzo who are young. Brown's 30-ish, but DiVincenzo's only 25. Remember, we like to stay with youth. Let's not get old. Let's not get old. We ran that we ran that route once, and it just was abysmal. It was an embarrassment. We want to be able to compete to go to the finals. To compete to go to the finals, you don't want to be a seven seed anymore. You want to be you. And i proceed. Now, West is tough, but still, it's it's a it's on it's in a lot of flux. And if the Lakers can get continue to get younger and more versatile, a lot of people like what they did in the draft. I saw the Indiana kid a lot. Um, he's young, but he's got a world of talent, and people are raving about his potential. I did not see any of uh, you know the, the kid from from Pepperdine. Literally, I did not see him play one game. Uh, so we'll see what they you know what they do. Is just free agency becomes official tomorrow? There are some guys I know that were interested. In. There are guys who went back. They're interested in Nas Reed, uh, who went back to the T Wolves. So. Uh, it, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. You know, the vagabond Harden and you know his partner in Grime, Irving, we know are just going to simply go for the most money. I mean, Kyrie can say whatever he wants. He's taking the most money, and that's Dallas. And I think you're going to see, the you know, the gagger. I think uh, Harden is going to wind up with the Clippers. That's what I think. It's the only team to me that makes sense. Uh, whether they deal Paul George uh, in that in a three way with Philly and the Knicks, I I could see Paul George finding his way to New York. You know, if the Knicks give up, um, what's the kid from Duke? whose name always escapes me. The first round draft pick, the lefty,
0: JJ Redick. RJ Barrett.
1: I could see RJ Barrett, and you know maybe quickly and something else. Not that you want to give up quickly. You got obviously got to match up the money. But I could see a scenario where the Knicks trade you know, two young players and bring in Paul George because uh, they need another score. Or would they move Randall in that deal? But I don't think they would want Randall. Um, I think the Clippers would. I I could I could see him on the Clippers. I could just see him on the Clippers. I don't know why. Uh, but I just don't think he fits anywhere else. You want to go, he wants to go back to Houston. Why was Houston want him? I know the owner loves him, but you know, he ruined the franchise once. He obviously said he wants out of Philly. And you know what he wants to do, he wants out of Philly. And here's the route he's going to take. Philly doesn't want to pay him 50 million a year. So he's going to opt into his one-year deal. He's going to They'll work out a trade, and then after the one year, or as soon as permitted, he'll sign an extension. You know, for more money. It, it's just because that's what it's always looked like. It's all about for hard and, and nervey. It's all about the money. Because how can you believe what they say? It's everywhere they go. They change their mind. You know, girls entitled to change your mind. You're not entitled. These guys. They change their mind like I change underwear You know, once a week
0: I don't know how you're that good At basketball And would Be okay Being known as journeyman basketball players And that's what it's turned into I don't understand it For some of these guys Why you wouldn't want to stay somewhere back. And I understand carpet it's not always going to work But put in a little bit of effort before you just throw it out after a year or two. I don't understand it, but that's kind of where we are in the NBA. It might even be something where the younger players look at this when it comes their turn, five or six years down the road and be like, I don't want to be those guys. What's their legacy? What are they going to be known as? They're just bouncing around looking for the easy cool. way. And it never happens. Seven trade great. requests in less than what two they, seasons from Harden, KD, and Kyrie. That's preposterous. What did
1: what they, they looked at? They looked they looked at as at least KG and, and Kyrie, or shouldn't they, um the, the beard and Kyrie. You know, and Kyrie's got his title. So you can't even say he never won a championship. But you know, great talents who bounce indiscriminately from franchise to franchise of their own will. Right. These aren't guys who are being traded because the franchises are sick of them or don't want them or they're underachieving. Underachieving. They tell the franchises uh, after they've after they've fought to get to those franchises, they've told those various franchises, "Get me out, get me out."
0: After those you franchises see- moved mountains to bring them in to get them, right
1: to get them and then when it came time that they were eligible for the max extension when it wasn't offered oh, you gotta trade me yep that's enough
0: right. Bring in these players. Possible. and I understand business
1: is business and you know it's all about the bag and money is money it's the almighty dollar and that's the way the owners look at it but you know the owners are also willing to shell it out right so you know in, in terms of the loyalty the notion of you know, these guys as soon as they're eligible for these mega deals but before their contracts are even up they start with the demands and the rumors start floating around from you know the, the various nba pontificators and pundits and experts who are in the know, and there's a ton of them in the NBA, uh, over and above Brian Windhorst, you know, in terms of these constant rumor mongers, and Windhorst is not one of them. He's an excellent reporter. But, you know, Shams, you know, who's just constantly with rumor after rumor after rumor after rumor, they never end. They're like the whole world is, is waiting with bated breath to find out, you know, this this latest Shams rumor from whomever's camp Enough already And you know They're wrong Three quarters of percent Of the time There's just no foundation In them at all So um, We'll see what happens Free agency opens Tomorrow And uh, let a rip
0: <laughs> Last thing for you Because we didn't get To talk about it When it happened But it, it's still Something that Is Unbelievable And will Remain unbelievable The more things come from it still is the submersive that went down to quote unquote explore the Titanic. I'm not sure how much weight they're giving the word explore because when you're just going to drive by and wave, I don't say I'm going to explore when I'm headed to a Christmas light display in December you're there to just see and enjoy yourself as a tourist. I don't think of that as exploring, seeing Christmas lights, much as driving past a sunken ship at the bottom of the ocean and just taking a picture with your phone for $250,000 is tourism and not exploration. You're not bringing anything back with you. You're not discovering something that may haven't been discovered before when the director of the movie about said ship has been down there 30 plus times with 10 times more advanced technology and has seen it all flipped over all the rocks, pushed all the doors open, opened all the drawers. We got it. We're good. And And now there's 3d technology that shows you the whole ship as it stands on the computer. Got it. Big John is talking about James Cameron,
1: who was uh, the director of the Titanic. And I had no idea he had been down there that many
0: times. I did not know the number myself. Frankly, no, I did I not know it audience. was 30 plus times. I had no idea. I didn't even know it, that this group of people at Ocean Gate had done this trip several times as well. And this was the first we were really hearing about it. it and Cameron's
1: been Cameron's been twice as deep. Yeah. As, he, as the Titanic, this is like his is side thing stone.
0: where he's, he's right. gathered like the world's yep. most advanced scientists to figure this stuff out. Well,
1: to me, it's, it's mind numbing that, you know, regular people would go down in this little thing. Think about going down in this little,
0: uh, we're basically talking Shubham, like a, 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 this a little tube, a tube the size of a minivan being generous. No seats though, just a flat, like when you were with your friends growing up or you see in the movies where they go down to the sewers on their bikes and they sit in those those pipes or you see them in like skateboard games that you go under. You're taking one of those suckers down into the sea. And by down into the sea, two plus miles down. Basically, my question to you is, Is there a number that someone could place and slide across your desk where you would consider taking such an excursion? Which, if it goes correctly, I believe is two plus hours down. This outlet was going to drive around the boat for four hours or so, and then they flip a magic button and float back up to the top another two plus hours to get up there. So you, you assume it's basically a work day of journey in this device to get down and back. Is there a number somebody could slide in front of you where you would say, I'll do it.
1: Uh, If I'm going with James Cameron in one of his gigs.
0: That does change the equation very much. Yes.
1: Yes. With those cats and that thing. No, no shot, no shot. As I'll a, go with Cameron. I'll go with Cameron and his crew, in in one of his in one of his gigs. But none, none of the things. I'm not going down there for like 14, 15 hours. The down and back routine, the down lap around and
0: back and back up. Yeah, there it is. That's, Take that's your selfies. Pass the phone. Okay, got it. Let's get out of here.
1: Yeah, and i want like Cameron camera with her. Tell me everything I'm looking at. All right, because he's the expert. See, Cameron's got to go because that's half the deal. Right. I got to know what I'm looking at. And I got to be there with a the guy who's been there, got the experience and knows the ins and outs. And it's got fail-safe stuff and, you know, another crew member or two. And, you know, I'm not going to be like, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm not going to be like 18 people in an elevator. I'm not going there kind of
0: deal. You're not signing a, a, a contract look. where they mention death three or four times just yeah. on the first page yeah. of yeah. the ways that this could go awry. Yeah,
1: yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got, also, it's, look, it's got to be a big number, too. It's got to be a big number.
0: I would say a hundred million.
1: I would do it. I was going to say half that, but it's also got to be, I'm getting that. None of the, you know, government's not kidding. Yeah, exactly.
0: News. Whatever the number is to where the taxes it, get taken net, out and net, all the nonsense. Net, net, and it, it's a hundred million net, net. net. Cause then net. that's, that's life changing money for several generations.
1: I, I see. I'm, I'm For eight 65. hours of work. I'm 65. So I'll take 50. Yeah. I hear you. That's the difference in terms of life expectancy. So 50
0: fill 50 mil net for me. But like I said Cameron's got to be in plus the- you could even have a workaround to where <laughs> like I don't need to Cam- be awake Cam- necessarily.
1: Cameron, Cameron and I are a package.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, that's it because there's no – did you see his devices that go down? There's no room. There's wires everywhere. There's boxes of technology. He's in this like small – basically it's like, it's almost like he's strapped into a carnival ride going down because down there's himself, so much safety yes. things. yes. If he has others with him, there's a little bit more room. But, you know, as a six, seven tall person, I'm not going to have any room to begin with. But you have to figure you don't have to be necessarily with it for the trip. I don't think that's part of the deal. So if I want to take something to maybe say, doze off for four hours of the trip, come to, take a look, take something else to get back up, keep the nerves calm, the claustrophobia intact. And if you're doing that and things go awry, there's – I don't think people realize when this was getting reported and days were going and, well, there's only X number of days of oxygen left or X number of hours. And you start getting to the point of, well, maybe this really went south. When as soon as the news broke, I said, they're done. Well, we lost communication two hours down. Yeah, that's it. Whatever happened, happened. They're done. There's no – oh, maybe they're still down there. They got – they got stuck in the ship and they can't use whatever, like they can't deploy the sandbags. So this thing floats back up to the surface. Oh no, stuck stuck in a sand. This thing was over when you lost communication, man. And when people were reporting, we're not sure if we'll be able to find the human remains or even remains of the boat, the ship, the submersive human remains might be hard. Yeah. No shit, man. (laughs) You know, the pressure, down there, the only positive thing is if this goes south for you, you're not even gonna know or have a second or a millisecond to think that things are going south because well, it happened so I, fast. I, it's I, over.
1: I, I hope it. You know, it was such a tragedy. I hope you know it, it was incredibly fast and like lightning, so they didn't even know what hit them. But you know, if I hate to say this if the guy went down with his father, if I'm a mother, there's no way you're taking my son down there. Nope. You're not taking my son on that thing.
0: I think it was the yeah, aunt the that, that they s- interviewed and said he, he didn't want to do it, but it was Father's Day and his dad really liked the Titanic, so he went with him. Nope. I yeah. don't think so. Yeah. It's like going it's golfing with your buddies. You go ahead. We'll stay home, bro. You go ahead. So, yeah, it's tragic. And the internet, you missed it because you're not on the old Twitter machine. But when stuff like this happens, you know, these people have perished pretty much right away. And the internet's having a field day making jokes about all oh, of this.
1: Look, the internet is a vast
0: wasteland. It's good it's jokes, though. <laughs> that's the unfortunate it's, thing. I mean, it's, there's it's, some good jokes to be made about I this,
1: understand. Sadly. But yeah, that, it, it, it's a wasteland of human wreckage that's what the on the ocean is. floor and, and, <laughs> and on the internet and that, and that is why i am not and him look what i like to have people talking about it, Al from white playing sports takes you know when if i was tweeting away but it, what would i get done in life cuz i'd be stuck on there nonstop yeah responding to people who tweeted about me and th- that's what i have this for that's what i have you know, MDR Radio and uh, you know, the starting lineup with Frank and Brian, you know, and, uh, you know, an MLB network for the... Another missed opportunity
0: on WFAN. They stayed stayed within the house. Didn't give you a call again. Well, CBS Sports never, didn't give you a call yeah, again. Were,
1: well, how could I possibly you know be mentioned in the same breath with the likes of, you know, Brandon Tierney? Yeah, or Tiki, or, 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 or Tiki Barber. Yeah,
0: you have one more letter on your name. If you were Sal, or, you yeah, could have maybe got a position, but you're out. The so. the, the
1: the buffoon that is Sal lakata Okay, the human screaming machine, Bald Bald Eagle Sal. Uh, you know, now we have Craig Carton who left to devote his full energies, the Jailbird, to the ratings suffering Carton show, which nobody watches in the morning on Fox. And you'll move first things first to uh, the afternoon. It's Craig Carton is hideous. He is awful. He is a buffoon. He knows nothing about sports. He likes to think every, tell everybody these great, wonderful takes of his. He doesn't know dip. You know, sorry, the Lakers won't compete for a champion. Why, Craig? Well, why is that? Because they got swept by the Nuggets and then played a series closer than anybody played the Nuggets? Lost four games by 24 points? You know, you know like Anthony Davis? You know, or I got to listen to, you know, everybody's favorite blowhard, Colin Cowgirl, tell us that you know, the Lakers are overpaying a guy he puts up the comps in terms of their stats And puts up, you know, the former uh, Laker D-League signee, who we loved, who won the slam dunk contest. And he puts up, you know, a a couple other players who, you know, are run-of-the-mill players. But they never played the way this kid did, you know, in the postseason and with LeBron James and at 25 and got that much better that quick. They never put anything remotely resembling those kind of numbers. You put up his average numbers. All right. Before he was a full-time Laker. Of course, they're different. But you know, that's clueless, Colin, the cowgirl, who says, "You know, the Lakers are going to trade." My sources tell me, you know, LeBron has had it with Anthony Davis, and they're going to trade him to Dallas. Okay, we're going to trade him to Dallas for what? Because he go, he'd be a perfect fit with Luca. Okay, what am I getting from Dallas? I'm missing something. It's like LeBron, okay? LeBron to Dallas with Kyrie. Okay, what am I getting? What are you going to give me? Just, okay, he's yours. Give me a pick. <laughs> what, what what are you going to give me from Dallas for Anthony Davis? Colin Cowan. What's equal value? Uh, eh, they don't have it. Oh, you want it? Luka? Uh, that's where it starts. We can talk about that. I'll consider that, even though we can't guard a statue. I'll think about that one. But I, I don't think that's going to happen, is it? So it, it's just, again, Stephen A., these guys are all the same. You know, shoot from the lip. My sources, never named. Crack of shit after crack of shit. None of it ever happens. It's just to send out a tweet. Just see what it said on Twitter. You know, Greeny, all the same. All the same. I do trust Wynnhorst. Because he puts the time in, he puts the work in, he puts the effort in. He does a great job. And there are some others. You know, Ramona Shelburne, I think, does a great job. Um, Mark Stein is an excellent reporter. Excellent NBA reporter. I think, you know, uh, Chris, what's his name? Uh, that hey, does the sideline Chris, side Haynes. Chris Haynes I think Chris Haynes is getting a little full of himself Chris Haynes is kind of like try, Chris Haynes is Considering himself one of the boys You know because he's getting mistaken for an NBA player You know when he's out on the road Enough Chris right? To, just so you know I ain't mistaking you for an NBA player
0: 9 million Plus people. Well, maybe the numbers dipped a little bit. New York City. And only like six of them can talk sports radio. We just got to keep recycling the same dudes. (laughs) Can't find anybody else. All right. You're listening, James. Let us know, man. 50 million, 100 million. Would love to go down there with you. Talk the movie. Talk the ship. all, all, All aboard. I do want to talk about the movie. I that, would that, love see, that, would,
1: that, that would be the entire trip. Yeah. The entire trip, I could have a distraction of talking to him about the film.
0: Right. Be done.
1: The, the, the story to me has always been fascinating.
0: I agree. What did you use maybe some Hollywood liberties with? What actually happened? I'd love it. And but before you know it, you're back up at the surface. Oh, it's done already. You have a door to open to get out, you're not bolted what? in by 18 or what? so bolts. So well, even back if we were on the surface, you couldn't get out of the thing. We're home already, man. That was fast. Time flew. <laughs> no where's icebergs either, James. Way to go. Where's my Where's my money? Where do I sign? Hell, <laughs> <laughs> it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week,
1: folks. Everybody out there, until next we meet. Uh, enjoy if you're going to have a long weekend. But obviously, with the fourth coming in the middle of the week, everybody have a great weekend. Have a safe. And wonderful and happy 4th of July from our partner, the great John Tiny Lund. I am El Renato, A.K.L. from White Plains. Have a great sports weekend, everybody.
0: We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at SportsRadioAmerica.com and interact with the show there as well. Or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.